0: computer initialize hollow Holosuite hollow media Vedic Assemble.
1: Vedic Collinson.
2: Vedic Smart.
0: And I'm Vedic Jackala, and this is the Vedic Assembly. And with us, we have a very <laughs> special guest today, our Kai. Stupid Nick, how are you today?
3: <laughs> I'm great. I am so excited to be here. Uh, I'm all the more better by you having utilized the chosen nickname that I created for myself for today's podcast, but I am excited to be here.
0: We are so excited. His name to is Kai
3: Stupid. <laughs> I, I would like to think that it's more formal <sighs> that way.
0: Yeah. Okay. So we'll refer to you. Formally as Kai Stupid. Perfect. Fabulous. (laughs) No, seriously, we are so very happy to have you with us today. Listeners, if you are not familiar with The Voice, uh, you may also know uh, (laughs) Kai Stupid Nick as Katwalski on the YouTubes and such. And and in fact, why don't you take a moment to tell us the sort of things that uh, you you do, Kai Stupid?
3: Yeah, no, I do uh, YouTube videos where I talk about Uh, mostly Star Trek news. I cover a lot of the late-breaking stuff and kind of do my best to dig deep into the underbelly of the internet to find out as much relevant information as I can so we can keep making accurate predictions about the future of the franchise. I also do uh, just episode reviews and some breakdowns and stuff like that of things that really kind of intrigue me and stuff, but I'm primarily on YouTube. I do have social media accounts on Twitter and Facebook and all that jazz, um, which you can easily find me just by looking up the name Kit Walski, it'll come right up. No problems there. But uh, yeah, no, I'm just starting my uh, my break into the podcasting scene because I have recently discovered that a lot of Star Trek fans avoid going to YouTube for discussions and news because it is a bit of a wasteland out there. Um, and that's a YouTube kind of, I think, uh, uh just kind of a standard thing for youtube It's <laughs> a bit of a waste and a lot of people go to podcasts for their in-depth discussions so i'm i'm kind of getting out there so i can uh kind of uh you know engage in the conversations that you all are having these great conversations that you all are having about star trek and long form construct as the podcasts are and, and kind of reach some new viewers but also reach out and meet new friends which i've met all of you now and this is great so i i can't wait to continue um you know engaging in our relationships in the future so thank you for having me on
0: Oh, it's truly our pleasure. Uh, I'm just going to now say, if you ever Mm -hmm. want to come on our Discovery Podcast, What the Future Holds, you are welcome anytime.
3: Oh, thank you. Well, maybe I'll be there next. You got that's right. Uh, this is going to be quite the uh, uh, package deal. Mm-hmm. I was on the Janeway. Now I'm here. I'll do that one. I'll just do them all. I'm just making yeah. the rounds, really. Y- yeah, yeah, you're
0: also going to be on boldly go at some point, so you know. At
3: some point, yes, <laughs> yeah. I am trying to get on boldly go. Uh, and oh, I think also since uh, I'm
0: half of boldly go, I can say you are going to be on boldly go.
3: <laughs> <laughs> that's good. That's a resounding uh, a resounding endorsement there. Mm. I will be there. Yes. At Actually, surprise, this is Boldly Go. Change the title. Let's go. Yeah,
0: Suzanne will be very upset if we do that, so let's not.
3: (laughs) We will not do that. I'm just kidding.
2: I could talk about all my Spock dreams on Boldly Go if that's what this episode is about.
3: I mean, I could pull up my Anson Mount fan fiction if you guys want me to. Ooh,
0: I'm down for that. <laughs> it
3: mostly has to do with Captain Pike deciding to grow a beard, and oh. we kind of gets gets dirtier from there. So, I I'm
0: know. I'm so in. <laughs> Did you write it?
3: Did I write it? Yes, I yeah. did, and I'm working with some illustrations as well. So.
0: Perfect. I want I'm, to know I, the minute they I'm are kidding. finished. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, damn! You had my hopes up, man. I'm sorry. I'm no, sorry. that's all right. So, anyway, uh, we actually do have a topic for the podcast today, despite what many of you may mm. think, because I ramble a lot too. <laughs> but today we are going to talk in depth about our good Captain Cisco and the cultural impact that he has had for being our first black commanding officer leading a television series and various tendrils sweeping out from there do tendrils sweep i don't know
3: But i think they
2: creep creep
0: there or we go creeping maybe up from
2: they there. I don't, are we... They joined fingernails in a trill
3: pool by the looks of things from the last episode
0: of Discovery. <laughs> Ooh,
3: yeah! I uh, n- they need to put out a uh, a no diving sign here in the pool. It's a little dangerous over there. Okay, <laughs> people are getting sucked right in. I don't know. Yeah, sucked in. They, the guy didn't up. mention that. Yeah, yeah, he didn't say. Also, if things go south, you'll just die in the pool, okay. and we've it's, we've got a whole bunch of bodies
1: down there. Yeah, so.
0: it's it's too bad. There
3: it
1: is. They've got to feed the symbionts somehow. That's true. They're hungry. Nom, nom, nom. <gasps> oh, my God. Let's not think about that. Yes. We're well,
0: moving on. Cisco. <laughs> Let's not think about that. <laughs> oh.
2: Why did you want to talk about this particular topic? Because we gave you the option to choose whatever you wanted. Mm-hmm. So what made you decide to choose this particular topic? So
3: it kind of relates to, I think in a lot of ways, to where the Star Trek franchise is headed um, right now and, and kind of is continuing to grow where it's at now. And, and Alex Kurtzman, who's the you know, uh, you know CEO of Secret Hideout, who's kind of in charge of the brand of Star Trek at the moment, he has been very clear and very open on his desires to continue to create shows for Star Trek that are very, very diverse and very inclusive to all different race, creeds, credos, sexualities, all of the above. And he has a very hard stance on that. Uh, He's gone on record as saying that he was not ever interested in having a show like Discovery without a black female lead. He absolutely wanted that. That was one of his, you know, must-dos for the show. And I, I think at the time, Brian Fuller, who was attached to the show, also agreed with that construct as well, because that character was created underneath both of their creative houses at the time. And I feel like a lot of where we're at now was kind of the run, you know? I feel like we're running with it now, but the walk, the crawl of that diversity inclusion started all the way back with the original series, obviously with the inclusion of Uhura and some of the other cast members as well, but really started to kind of pick up steam with the inclusion of Cisco, like the idea of having not only a um, a black man being featured in the show but being the primary character our main essentially our main point of view character and that person being the commanding officer of in this case the station slash ships is the defiance there but it was a station at first and and having that be the the vehicle for this for this representation i feel like that has enabled where we're at now and i I think it's important to kind of go back and look at what that was why that was such a crazy construct at the time and why people were reacting negatively then and how that's kind of also impacted the way people are reacting a little bit now. And it's kind of in the, I guess, the irony that some people are completely, is completely escaping some people with their prejudices and bigots and their bigoted attitudes. They're they're like, we need to return to a previous Star Trek like Deep Space Nine and stop with the woke agenda characters. Well, <laughs> Deep Space Nine at the time was considered a woke agenda show. And now we've moved past that, so it's that irony has escaped on some people. But I think it's important to talk about. And that's why I figured this would be a great uh, opportunity to talk about it. It's Deep Space Nine podcast, so it's a great time to talk about it.
0: Agreed. Agreed. And it's true. I, I think every new Trek series that has come out from Next Generation on has faced this kind of bias at one point or another for various reasons. And it's always the same refrain. It's not Star Trek. It's not my Star right. Trek, etc. Ad nauseum, and you know, you. I don't know if there's a way to fix that because people are going to just dig in their heels sometimes. But I feel because when Deep Space Nine was announced and that we were going to have a black commander. First of all, I, f- I figured that they would promote him to captain after that first episode, but no, <laughs> he had to wait nope. a couple of years for that.
3: That's right. He had to earn it. <sighs> yeah. That's but right. uh,
0: I I was just thrilled because though I was born and raised in Utah and live here uh, to this day, my parents raised me to believe that all people are equal and Star Trek is something that we watched from the beginning. My parents were watching it before I was born. I don't know a time before Star Trek. It has always Mm. been there. And that was back when we just had the original series and the animated series. And so when Next Generation came along, oh, yay. Deep Space Nine came along, oh, yay. You know, oh, oh, inclusion, inclusion. We don't just get a token black person. We get a main character leading this show. It's about time. And even then, for that time, it was still kind of seen as a radical move.
3: Yeah, it was. It was considered a radical move. And there was a lot of issues with that show. I mean, I've watched the documentary, um, What We Left Behind, which was the DS9 documentary. I'm sure you all have probably seen that as well. And they talk a lot about that. They cover that quite extensively. And also just the issues that the show had coming out of the gate. So they had this character that people were rejecting because he was a black male lead. They had the rejection of it being not on a starship. They had this rejection of it being too serious and too dark in tone. And now now people hold that up as like the gold, one of the golden standards of what Star Trek really means. And it's like, I like to your point of can we ever get rid of that? I doubt it. I really don't. Every single time there's a new something there's got to be a group of people that say I hate it mm-hmm. and then as the years progress then they're like oh no that was actually really great I never said I hated it and they just completely move on to the next thing so they can hate something else but yeah the the, the character itself I thought was really interesting and from what I understand Avery Brooks had a lot of influence I think in the development of the character as well and I think it was his portrayal of Cisco that really elevated the character beyond I think just the writing and not to knock the writers but they were writing I mean, this was kind of their first time writing a black male lead. And, you know, it's it's something foreign for not only Star Trek, but in science fiction, primarily at the time, it was not a very common thing. There's a lot of, I think, um, black family sitcom shows and stuff like that. Yeah. So there wasn't it, yeah. there was those things out there. But science fiction, this was kind of a new realm. And so I think his input also elevated the character.
0: Agreed. Yeah. So I know you, that, I'm um, sorry. You're gonna I we're we are going to have a cage oh, match just, to see who goes first. So Dr. Nick Liam, which is going?
1: Sure. No, I was just gonna say on that, like the the thought of um Avery Brooks having such uh influence on the writing of the character. Uh I know we, we touched on this a bit a few episodes ago where we talked about all the different kind of examples of fatherhood in Deep Space Nine, and I know that he was one of the key sort of figures driving um the portrayal of him and jake together as father and son um and from what uh Sirach lofton has said in some interviews and stuff as well it's clear that that behind the scenes on the set avery brooks w- really was like a father to him as well um so asking,
2: well seroc was um very young obviously as well mm-hmm. yeah
3: both as a young man and as a young actor you know mm-hmm. and uh and a young black male actor in hollywood also requiring mentorship guidance and And uh, a steady hand, you know, we had just recently the, you know, a couple years ago, we had that revelation that, you know, Denzel Washington had, you know, reached out in his own way and and influenced Chadwick Boseman's, uh, you know, uh, career in a lot of ways and helped mentor him. And that was very similar in that. So he took that role very seriously, which I think, I think elevated their relationship on screen. It didn't come off as, like, the next comparison I could think of is like, you know, Beverly and Wesley, which is like a weird... Like it's a weird relation. Wesley as a character was already weird as well, and you know they didn't really <laughs> understand how to write that dynamic. But when you compare the two, one like the you know Cisco's and Jake's relationship is way better in terms of just the depth and the emotional connection. I think that was probably because of the actors' connections off-screen. Absolutely.
2: Yeah. Going back to your point about saying about sitcoms, etc. Even in the 90s, there weren't that many. Uh, black male or black leads in general. Mm. I mean, I think you can only think of a handful of them, especially those that are in a positive light. So like the 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 father figure on Fresh Prince of Bel Air is probably the only one other one I can think of. I think there was one on a show called Sister Sister or something. There was there was um, also
0: Family Matters. That was Family
2: Matters for, was
3: a thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um but there's very, very yeah. few. Mm-hmm. Yeah there there were there were there wasn't a lot. There wasn't a lot. There wasn't a lot Of them, you know, I mean, separating the um, individual from the art from the, you know, separating the artist from the art, you know, the Cosby show, obviously, way that show was written was obviously much different than who, you know, Bill Cosby actually is, but Dr. Huxtable was another role model for for kids at the time and, and Family matters was another one the Fresh Prince of Bel Air was was really powerful and it's you know it, and it's crazy you know to kind of think about you know as I was a kid growing up watching the Fresh Prince I watched it because I thought it was hilarious and I thought it was a great show mm. and I like Will Smith you know I thought everything on it was funny you know I I wanted to dance like Carlton with the crazy snapping of the fingers you know like I was doing at the house like to me it was it was just a sitcom show because it didn't have that impact to me. But I know for other, other people that I know now as adults, they, they took it very seriously. Like Uncle Phil was a, was a serious role model from that show for them growing up, like a very impactful role model, as I think Cisco was as well for a lot of people growing up and seeing that character. It, it means something different to different people with their different experiences and their different, you know, their truths that they have in their lives. And I thought it was just I thought it was a bold move for them to do it. I would love to know why. They decided in this moment they were going to go with a blackmail lead. I don't know what the like not as if like why why now? Like what was it what was the driving force behind it? Do you guys know?
0: I am not aware of it.
2: Um I was going to say it's not necessarily true that they were going down the whole blackmail lead thing to start with because they apparently did hold mm. blind like colorblind auditions supposedly just to so they could work out who's going to be the um best actor for the role i think they apparently uh also not interviewed but auditioned richard dean anderson yeah like no, a, as no, part no. Of the belonged on stargate okay <laughs> apparently from what i've read <laughs> yeah, yeah. um yeah not for not my
3: not my i love you rda but it, i need you in my, agree, game, in my star Trek.
0: But, <laughs> yeah.
2: they had the idea of a black character but i mean they were still casting for white roles as well it's,
3: yeah, that's, and that's interesting to hear because, you know, obviously, like I mentioned at the top of the podcast, you know, like Alex Kurtzman was very focused on having a black female lead for Discovery. So they set out to find that, that mm. you know, an actress to fill that role. Um, and I think they found a great a great actress. Nico Martin-Green's a fantastic actress, and she's really, really, really great in that role. You know, especially now with season three, she's really knocking it out of the park. But yeah, for, for Deep Space Nine, it's interesting to hear that they didn't necessarily set out to do that but that's where they arrived and I think that shows a bit of a bit of uh, faith I think in, in trust in the creatives that were handling you know you know, Rick Berman and company handling the situation there because they, pro- they had to go back to the studio they had to go back to you know Paramount and, and say you know hey this is what we're going to do and the executives had to essentially sign off on it so that was a bit of it was probably a little bit of an interesting board meeting To they probably had a couple of discussions <laughs> about that for sure yeah but I'm thankful uh, they went for
2: Avery Brooks like, I, I can't see any other character or actor playing that.
0: Yeah, well, I had the benefit of knowing of him from uh, Spencer for Hire, and so I'm just mm-hmm. like, oh, it's that guy, but he's got hair. So-
2: <laughs> they needed to make him supposedly likable and to have sympathy towards him. Yeah. Um, So that's why they asked
3: him to grow hair and that's yeah, off the beard. Yeah. They mentioned that in the... what. And then what we left behind documentary. I think they said that him being bald made him too yeah. quote street, and they wanted him to grow hair, which is just goes to show like it's it, it's crazy to me that that was a conversation that they had. Yeah, and and they, that they were like, yeah, you've got it. he looks a little too street, which I don't even know what the yeah. hell that's even supposed to mean. Yeah, and. It could be I, I, based on that previous show that he was in. Could yeah. be. It could be. It, and maybe they were trying to do something. I think yeah. it was probably something more. Probably, and, yeah. And I, I felt like... It's it's crazy to me to think about where that was. And this was the early 90s, you know, like mm. when they were probably having these discussions and, and doing all this. And it's crazy to me to think, like, from there to where we are now, where, like, if you even had the conversation of we need to have you to grow hair because you're too street... That's yep. a great way to catch a lawsuit, my friend. Like they would send you in, they would fire you out of a rocket into the sun. And and for good reason because that's
1: Yeah.
3: Like that's a ridiculous construct. You know, that's like mm-hmm. them saying, "Oh, Senequa, we actually don't want you to have your long uh, braided hair because it's too it's too street or whatever, you know, word they would use." It's like, "No, like that's not what we're doing here." And it's crazy how much we've progressed, and I think that's in no small part again due to these small things that were happening back then that we view as small now because it's like, oh, so they had a black male lead. like what's the big deal? Like that's that's much more commonplace. Still not as prevalent as it could be, but it's much more commonplace now. But that was huge. And those little small things have enabled us now here in twenty twenty to enjoy things that I think, you know, younger generations of people don't even realize like how crazy it was, you know, just twenty years ago. And it's it's crazy to me to think about yeah. that. It is. And just
1: like how yeah how good it is to see how, how much that's changed, you know, not just in the kind of microcosm of Star Trek from, you know, them saying that to Avery Brooks asking him to grow his hair. Up to now, we we have uh, both Burnham and Orsaken with very, um, like, African sort of hairstyles that are, you know... Because it's something that I know that a lot of, um, especially African-Americans, but people of uh, African descent anywhere in the world kind of have to deal with, is allowing their hair or having the hair and styles that is just kind of natural for it is seen as like unprofessional by a lot of like majority like white yes. run you know business places and stuff like that um yeah so mm. having just that representation and even within the span of deep space nine you know he sort of has that kind of hairstyle and is clean shaven for a couple of seasons and then i've even heard a lot of people talking about it um uh, in the sense of like that's where the show really gets good. Like, I think I heard someone exactly quoting, he's like, he shaved his head, he got the beard, he got the warship, um, and that's when the show really took off.
3: Well, that was their, that was their beard. Everybody knows that growing the beard is a phrase for the next generation. <laughs> when Riker grew his beard, that's when the show got good. And for me, for Deep Space Nine, the show got good when Avery shaved his head. And got the goatee. That's when the show picked up. In my opinion, I I know that's kind of like an arbitrary construct that we have there. (laughs) You know, I I have a similar opinion about like you know Voyager. It's like when Janeway lets her hair down. That's when the show gets good. Same. That's when it gets good. I I feel that. But that's these weird arbitrary things, and I feel like that's continuing because senequa has got a different hairstyle in Discovery Season 3, and the show is increasing in quality mm-hmm. exponentially. So, I don't know. I think these uh, hair related uh, connections need to be really <laughs> investigated by someone. Something about the hair yeah. makes the so show better.
2: What hair changed on Archer?
3: Archer? Between cut his Season hair. 2 and Season 3. He had that little Boy Scout haircut to the left, and then when the Zindi attacked, he started oh. brushing it forward and he changed it. And Depaul changed her hair too Yeah her hair
0: was not so severe It was a little bit longer And uh, not so Making her look alien sort of thing (laughs) Yes
3: they said You only get this bowl cut and that's it And then they put her in the nicer uniform And they said you can I I guess you can grow your hair like an inch And that's it
0: Yeah, That's that's one of those things that always bothered me about the Vulcans This is just a little too monoculture with the hairstyles It's like surely there are Mm, different hairstyles On Vulcan for heaven's sake The entire planet is not going to do their hair the same way. That just isn't the way things work.
3: (laughs)
2: Also, to keep your hair
3: with a mohawk. Yeah, can you keep your keeping your hair like that always? Would involve you going to the haircuttery, the Vulcan hair cuttery, whatever they would call it. I don't know. I doubt that they have a haircuttery hair out there. Cuttery. The Vulcan haircuttery. What, what the fuck's a hair cuttery? Oh uh, well, you know, hey, this is America, man. This is what we're doing over is here. Is that what you call it in America? No, no, that's just a that's a there. That's just oh, a company company called Haircut. Oh. We have other things okay. called Great Clips,
0: um, <laughs> Great Clips, uh, sports clips.
3: I think is another one. Oh yeah, it's, it's just man. for men. It's it's for yeah. men. It's sports, and you go in there, and they give you man. A, Haircuts. beef jerky or something I don't know I've never been inside of one before <laughs> they yeah, put it on haircuts. sports
0: channels for you instead that's of right music. That's,
3: I think that's part of the gimmick there yeah it's like yeah it's sports channels yeah it's for men yeah the yeah exactly yeah yeah um but yeah it's it's it would co- it would require an enormous amount of trips to the haircuttery to keep their hair in regulation and I feel like that would be anti what Vulcans would be do- about because they probably yeah. view it as an illogical waste of time. <laughs> exactly, but yeah. that's okay.
0: That's a
3: different. That's a different thing. And now that's I it. have
0: a new word for going to get haircut. Yeah. I'm going to the hair cuttery. I will be going to the hair cuttery on Tuesday. Actually,
3: there you go. So. There you go. You're gonna. You're gonna. You're gonna. Uh, you're going to go full Cisco. Uh,
0: so, wow. yeah, that's, <laughs> I just figured, you know, I'm tired of waiting for it all to grow in silver. Let's just shave it off and start over. No, yeah. I'm kidding. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> we should
2: all get new haircuts on New Year's Eve at the hair cuttery the to Start a new year. New year, year.
3: <laughs> that's right. We're the doing... 2020s kick off good. This is the Star Trek rule, okay? You have to change your hair for things to get better. That's a fact. That's mm. Now we've proven yeah. that as a fact. So, Sorry. Uh, One of you is going to have to shave your head. Oh. I vote for all of you.
0: I don't think anyone wants <laughs> to see me with a shaved head. However, it would make wigs a lot easier. So there is that. Yeah, I, yeah.
1: I usually shave to like there. <laughs> see, there you go. I just haven't been able to for a few months. Yeah, the hair cutteries have been closed.
0: Maybe I'll get the Detmer and just do <laughs> I'm just kidding.
3: Well, her hair is, because is, we're spending a lot of time with her in this season, so I'm noticing mm-hmm. her head is like really shaven down. Mm-hmm. And I don't think yeah. I've ever really noticed it until like we had that sequence with her and Culver in the in the corridor way, and I was like, "Wow, her like it's really like that's that's skin. She's mm-hmm. getting that to skin. Like mm-hmm. they're buzzing it up. Mm. So it's interesting. And she's doing that. The actress is actually cutting her hair like that oh, of in course. order to apply the prosthetic uh, correctly oh, yeah. without it being weird and having like a weird bump where her hair would be. Mm. But yeah, she's really doing that. What a dedication to the role, I tell you.
0: Gosh. Yeah, she. And, and honestly, when she's not filming, she just combs, she just parts it in a different place, and you can hardly even tell." That it was shaved under there,
3: right?
1: So I can just do. That. There you go. It's perfect.
3: That is not a good look. You got y'all can't see what Doctor Nick is doing. That's not a good look. I'm going to be honest. Not a, not your best. That's not your best. Don't do that. That's terrible. That is not the Cisco. That is the reverse Cisco. Yeah, that's growing even more hair.
0: I'm just right. I'm just glad that nowadays, in some places and on Trek specifically, Discovery. And, I, and for Picard as well, they are finally having people there who know how to work with natural hair for people mm. of African descent. Mm-hmm. Because you can't just have any hair person do their hair. Mm-hmm. Their hair is different in so many ways. And if you are not trained in how to work with that kind of hair, then you are just going to make a mess of it. And and it's insulting to the people who have that hair. And so
3: Yeah, it I'm is. Just,
0: I'm so grateful that, you know, we're seeing those big box braids on Michael. I love them. And Owashikan's hair yeah. has always been fabulous and I love seeing it. And I love that they have someone there who can do that. And that should be the case on every television show, movie, what have you that has anyone with that kind of natural hair. That should be the standard.
3: Mm. You know, and that's the thing. And I'd love to know more about some of the behind-the-scenes stuff there because I feel like, again, when you're looking at a show like Deep Space Nine, right, where I feel like they were – I feel like the studio was, in some regards, afraid to go full into the culture of – you know, the black culture, essentially. Mm. They were a little afraid to do that, I felt. like, And that's like the whole construct of like, oh, you're the – we're talking a lot about hair, which is this is just turning into a hair podcast but the 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 street comment is just one of I think probably many discussions that were had um in regards to how they were going to portray Cisco and his relationship with his son and how he was going to be as a character because I felt like there was I feel like they were trying to maybe they weren't trying to lean too far into it whereas now I feel like it's much more it's actually something that we that's clearly celebrated and is desirable to see on camera and again, I feel like, Because of the work that probably Avery was doing, and I think even he, if I'm remembering the the story right, something about him leaving at the end, um, leaving behind his two kids, you know, and his wife, and there was like this whole construct there of the absentee father, the the father that's not there and how that was going to impact and what that shows, because that's another issue like that people talk about very heavily inside of black culture, which is, you know, dad's not being around. And that's something that is kind of viewed as a, it's its obviously a negative thing to actually have that happen, but that portrayal in media is done as a way to just, it, it's not very good, you know? And we actually just recently got a little bit of that in Black Panther where absent fathers weren't there and bad father figures and things like that. So they kind of keep playing on that. But I, I feel like Avery's interactions with the writers in the studio enabled them to create a story that felt cohesive and made narrative sense but didn't like come across as like and now the black dad is gone and that's you know you know what i mean like it it was it wasn't insulting and i felt like work like that little things like that i felt like have made like all of these ripple effects throughout the decades to where we are now Mm. i really do i i think it's absolutely critical that those things occurred and i'm sure it was a fucking fight and a half to get those things done back then but now you know we're 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 reveling in that we're reveling in in what had happened and we're enjoying it so the fact that it occurred
2: so so with that thing about him going into the wormhole and leaving cassidy pregnant and uh jake behind avery did have a significant part to play in the words that were in the Mm. actual script for that Mm. he specifically wanted to make sure that it wasn't gone forever and the whole time of i will be back was down to avery because he did not want that Absenteeism, right? To be continued,
3: and just thought of as what Cisco does at the end of the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it was. I think it was great. I think it was great that that he did that. And and again, like it's just, it's those little things that I think at the time probably was a real challenge for him to convince them to do that. You know, and and but it was great that they have an actor there. That was bold enough to stand up and be like, "No, I'm not. Like, I'm not just going to read these lines the way that they're written. We're going to have to change this because it's beyond. It's not just about Star Trek. This is people are re- relying on. Like mm. we talked about earlier, like there are people out there that are viewing Cisco as a role model and as a father figure for for young black males who don't and black females who don't have their dads around, and to then see their potential hero on screen abandon their kid, his kids." And his wife would have been terrible. It would have been it would have been terrible, and would have undone all the work that they had put in. And I'm so glad that he did that. I think it was fantastic, and I think it was I think it's added to his legacy, and it creates a situation where he could return. I know Avery probably never wants to return, based off of what he said. But you know, it's yeah. he's come back obviously in beta canon and in novels and in comics and stuff like that. And in, I think even in yeah. Star Trek Online, you know, the character has returned in some various ways. But you know, it always leaves that door open, which I think was was important.
2: Continuing on with the absenteeism thing, you can you can argue that even through the midst of a you know a interquadrant war, he is still there for his son.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, yeah, that's a very good point. You know, and the bond I think between Sisko and Jake I think is no no more prevalent than. And I am terrible with episode names, but you guys obviously know the episode I'm referring to, where we the visitor. The visitor. The visitor, right. Mm -hmm. And that I felt like really just is the peak of their interaction and and the depth of their connection. And not only was it a powerful episode to watch, but it it, it just speaks so loudly to the dedication that the father has for the son, but also that the son has for the father. And a lot of that is based off of what we've seen in the show and and their interactions and stuff. And what a fantastic episode and what a... Really fun sci-fi way of showcasing that and not being like a drab story about something else or like just simple flashbacks or something. It was a fun sci-fi spin on a very impactful and important story. I'm not yeah. sure I'd say it was fun. It was like stowing me in the heart. Well, I, when <laughs> I say fun, I mean like it was fun creatively. I'm sure it was probably really fun for them to like yeah. have the index cards on the board of like, okay, this is going to happen here and then this scene's going to happen there mm. and then we're going to jump there. Like it was probably a lot of fun from their writing and creative perspective and being on set. They yes. were probably having a great time probably planning out all of those different sequences and
1: stuff. I don't mean like fun, like sadness is fun. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mean that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, yeah, I, d- yeah, no, I mean, I did because we've obviously mentioned um, that episode uh, a bit before. Because um, you'd be mad to do a Deep Space Nine podcast and not a bit, but, um, a bit. A d- yeah. I was deep sobbing deep- oh, while God, we were talking crying. about it. Yeah, yeah, uh, but I think that is uh, what you mentioned, uh, Nick. Was a a really good point that I like about it as well. Is is the visitor when you just start out and and just the very basic premise of it. Feels like quite a kind of standard, like, mediocre standalone Star Trek episode. Is like, oh, he's trapped in time and keeps flashing forward and seeing, like, you know, snippets of, like, this alternative universe, you know, without him in it. So the work that they put into, like, the actual script and the acting of it and everything to turn it into just such a... such an impactful, strong episode mm-hmm. is... Fantastic, and so much of that is, yeah, it's down to Avery Brooks's performance and um, Sirach Lofton and Tony Todd, yeah, Tony um, Todd. in that yeah, episode Tony as well. Todd did
3: a fantastic job. Yeah, great, great casting. Mm. Great casting. I mean, they could have told me that that was supposed to be old Cisco. You know, the 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 way, the mannerisms, and the speech patterns, and all that. Like it was great casting. He crushed that role. Yeah, absolutely fantastic.
0: Mm. He did. I've mentioned this more than once, but. I had the opportunity and great honor to meet Tony Todd at a convention in Salt Lake City. And he is a very emotional person. So I understand how he was able to do that role so well. Because we had a conversation about this cat that he really loved. And he was out of the country doing filming for something. And the cat was sick. And he was just trying to get home before the cat passed away. So he could he, he could say Aww. goodbye. And he didn't get home in time, and the cat died. And, and I'm just wow. sitting there, and I'm crying while he's telling the story. And he's getting emotional. And he and he says to me, you, you feel everything. And I'm like, yeah, pretty much. to feel everything all the time. There is no off switch. So, but, you know, it was just not the kind of celebrity interaction that you expect to have, but it gave me a greater insight into everything that he has ever done ever, but especially his performance in the visitor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And see, I'm crying, I, I'm crying yeah. now. I'm crying you are.
3: You're yeah, that's a very, yeah. I mean, he's fantastic, you know, and that's, <laughs> you know, I, I would love to know more about, you know, some of those episodes. Cause we had that one. We had, um, the one where Cisco was an author, um, in the past Fabio Fabian oh, the um, yeah. which was another really very topical um story that obviously oh. really leaned heavily into you know the racism sexism um and just yeah. kind of bigoted nature of the time and it was of course dialed up obviously in in some regards but you're trying to condense the entire culture of the western culture into a 45 minute episode so they're going to like really mm-hmm. kind of cram it in there as much as they can but another, just a fantastic episode of, you know, again, carried by Avery Brooks. And I think it was, was that directed by him?
1: He, mm-hmm. It yeah. was, yeah. Which was just a fantastic decision, yes. I think, on the part of, of all of the production staff to have him direct that episode.
3: And again, I, I, I feel like these things, these those small decisions, not only just having him direct... Um, which is very impactful, which they're doing also should be noted, too, that that's another one of those small ripple effects that I think is impacting, again, Star Trek now because they're hiring a huge, diverse cast of directors, whereas mm. sometimes, like, or I mean, yeah, right, exactly. Like, they're, they're going through, like, in a season of Discovery, they're going through so many different directors, um, which is fun because it keeps the directorial styles fresh. But also they're bringing in such a diversity of individuals, both men, women, you know, all different types of races, credos, um, and, and it's great. I feel like those are, again, like another ripple effect from having those things happen. You even get to the point where Star Trek Picard, the whole tone
2: of the show, which is generally picked up on episodes one and two by the director, who does those first few episodes of a show, was a black female in Hunnelly Culpepper. Mm-hmm. Like was mm. the person to start off that time.
3: Oh yeah. And I know that I know that from some of the behind the scenes stuff is Culpepper was also still involved very heavily with some of the other directors for throughout the entire season of Picard, which is mm. again like a what a fantastic uh, position to be in. Um, for her and, and kind of you know being able to kind of mentor other directors as they're coming in to pick up the mantle of the you know for that for that for that weeks you know that couple of weeks of filming schedule that they had to do and I think that's great again I feel like that's just again like just an extension of the work that was put in in the early 90s and has really laid the groundwork for for even more of that now. So I think it's just, it's crazy to think about how those things have rippled throughout the decades and to where we're at now, both on camera and now off camera, now that we're talking about it, for sure. And I'm sure even in the writer's room and the production staffs and all, everybody involved. Yeah. It's really great. I mean, it even extends out to things
2: like, "butter, uh, bada bing, bada.
0: Bada bing, bada bing. Something.
2: Bada bing, bada bing. I, w- I was going to mention that too. Yeah. Because they got um, that ever so slight racial discrimination undertone that, um, cisco brings up about not liking uh, Vix mm-hmm. bar or Vix establishment just because mm-hmm. in realistic times like in the era that it was portraying black people wouldn't have been allowed in those establishments other than to
3: you know work or perform not as patrons right mm. right which is again great way to kind of just kind of call attention to it because i think that the i think it's vegas and like the 50s, I want to say. 50s, Um, early which Yeah, 50s, 60s, yeah, which was at the bare, like they were barely getting started with the civil rights movement. I shouldn't say that. Like the civil rights movement had been ongoing, but in terms of what we consider the modern version of the civil rights movement, Mm -hmm. you know, was just barely getting really ramped up and started at that moment. So right for them to be gambling at the table and getting drinks at the bar, that was not what was happening there, you know. And it's it is a bit of a fantasy. Obviously, it's a hollow deck and it's a hollow suite, so you're experiencing that. But it's like I appreciated the fact that they call attention to that because it is a reality mm. and it doesn't ignore. It allows us to enjoy the episode while also not ignoring the past, which is good. Cause mm. You have to acknowledge it because if you don't acknowledge it, then it seems like you're just ignoring it and acting like it didn't happen, which is I think terrible. In my opinion, because you're just trying to ignore people's suffering and, and what was going on at the time. Yeah, one thing I I'm do really want to be bring... happy that they. Mute. Sorry, Sorry you no, me. you go. Oh, cage saying... match, cage yeah. match. I know. Yeah, <laughs> you're too. The both of you so polite. <laughs> I will well, kill I was people. Like, like I'm, not I'm so. <laughs>
1: That's right. <laughs> I'm so happy that they that they did decide to go with that and have have Cisco bring this up because it. It shows, you know, in universe that even though you know this is humanity of the twenty fourth century, and obviously like we see there is still you know interspecies racism. You know, people talk referring to the Cardassians as Cardies or Spoonheads and all that sort of stuff. But like, it's obvious that you know within humanity at that point, you know, racism doesn't exist anymore in in the sense of everyday. But Cisco at least has not forgotten that it is and always will be part of humanity's past yeah it really also speaks to how at the time and even now there are always going to be people who just romanticize these certain things of the past and forget the bad aspects of them you know like i'm big into like you know punk rock and all that sort of stuff and for a while i was really into like kind of rockabilly music Mm -hmm. which is like really fun but it's that very very romanticized whitewashed view of like 50s america that just kind of brushes aside all of the horrible things and you, which you can't do like we need to remember that these things happened so that we don't risk them happening again
3: i, I, I agree and still happening still happening
2: yes yeah mm-hmm. still happening and we're yeah.
3: still hi, i cannot believe that we're still having these same fights but we are but we're, we have to again, like just talk, we have to keep fighting. And again, like what we're talking about here, I think, is, is how this fight is not only an important one, but one that will likely never, science, Star Trek is science fiction. It is a fictional universe. Barring the arrival of Vulcans and the expansion of humans into the universe and the quadrant, this is a fight that will likely never end you'll know, we'll always have to be fighting it in some regards if not just to always keep it in the back of our minds even if we eliminate racism on, from the face of the earth it's also something to never forget because it's easily it's easy to bring it back in without even realizing it, especially if you're not even aware of its existence you know so that's why it's important like you said to not forget about it but i want to i want to bring up another topic here its relations to this so <laughs> Talking about where things were in the past and where they the struggles that Deep Space Nine went through and and kind of the fan backlash at the time. Fast forward now to Star Trek Discovery and specifically season one of Star Trek Discovery because that's the one that gets the most, I would say, um, hate. And a lot of the hate was in regards to quote-unquote woke characters and feeling like they were jamming wokeness. And I'm putting these in... Air quotes for the podcasters mm. and for you guys. I'm saying wokeness because that's the term that was being used. Uh, not that I agree with that that uh, terminology or that definition. Um, people were really trying to attack Star Trek Discovery for being too woke and too pro-women and various things that, that were being said there. And I, I guess my big question right now is, do people just not realize, I feel like, that they're – That people who say those things, I feel like they're maybe not really fans of Star Trek, I feel like. And not to gatekeep, I'm saying like, do they not understand the tenets of Star Trek? Let me rephrase that. Not to gatekeep, it's do you not understand the pillars and the cores of what Star Trek is about and what the shows have been doing for decades? And I want to get your guys' inputs on that.
0: I'm going to go first. Brandy, Um, up
3: to you. Go to you. Yeah.
0: I have seen a lot lately where... Someone will post something positive, especially when it comes to discovery, even now. Mm-hmm. And someone has to jump in and tell them how much they hate it. And someone else will say, oh, you know, I'm sorry that that's the first thing that comes to your mind when you see this person celebrating this thing that you have to come in and be negative. And then a final person coming in and going, Ideck! Um, Here's the thing infinite diversity and infinite combinations is a celebration of diversity it is not carte blanche to be a dickhead
3: yeah i agree and with that you. that needs that to be is, on a t-shirt right there yeah yeah. yeah it's just
0: like it is, it's it's infuriating to me if you cannot understand what that simple tenet means then you don't fully understand star trek You may enjoy Star Trek and enjoy the pew pew and the ship battles and whatnot, but you don't get the message. You're not getting the message. I think that that is something that is always going to persist as long as we have people who have this, for lack of a better euphemism, make America great again sort of attitude, because they want to go back to that time when things were simpler for them. Mm -hmm. not simpler period, but simpler for them where they didn't have to look at anything that was different than they were. They didn't have to deal with, oh my gosh, equality, because in their minds, equality is like a pie and there's only so many pieces. And that's not, it's not a resource that is going to disappear. Equality is just equality. You're not less equal because someone is now equal to you. And that is something that they just can't grasp. I don't know why that is. I don't know. It's because I feel like it's part nature, but also a lot nurture, a lot in how they're raised Mm -hmm. and what they're taught. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. I, I think that really the only way out of that, the only way out of any of this is education. And it has to start at the most fundamental level in the home and then in the schools. And I don't know that we're ever going to get there without yeah. massive upheaval to the entire planet. That's my opinion. Liam,
3: over to you. <laughs> just just sort
2: of picking up on that, This, the day that we record this is where it's been declared that Biden is now president-elect, but vice president-elect is Kamala Harris. The first, finally the first female to be put in that position and the first person of color to be put in a vice presidential position. Yes, we have Barack Obama as president. Right. Um, Like, it's inching, but I still see posts saying that, oh, she's only there because she is of um, colour or she is female. And it just fucks me off big time when you see that kind of comment, bringing it back into Star Trek. You know, I didn't even know what the term woke was until about the end of season one, beginning season two. So I'm like, I don't understand this. It just seems like people are being twats.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Oh, I shouldn't really say that. It seems like people are being idiots um, about it. And it took, all the way until the end of season two when we were doing the edge on Trek FM for you guys to actually explain to me what SJ, SJ J, w, SJW justice was. Social justice warrior. Yeah. 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 SJW. Yeah. yeah. And I'm just, and I'm just like, what the fuck is all of this? Like I've said to Brandy many a time before that I just don't give a shit. I'm like, cool. Great story. And I don't see the differences in people that often.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Like I just mm. watch it and I'm like, cool. There's a non-binary character. Cool. You know, their lead is a black person. Yeah, I just I just think people are absolute
3: fucktards, to be quite <laughs> yeah, honest well, with you. Yeah, well, I mean, that's there are fucktards out there. That's true. They're, Liam, you're not wrong on that part. That's 100% accurate.
0: <laughs> yeah, it sure is. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I don't know whether that even answered your question. I just go ramble
3: on about, like
0: no i mean it it did you're right i
2: mean
3: really it kind of just sums up that some people are just fucktards you know i think that that's probably the really the simplest answer of it but you know yeah yeah dr nick what do you think
1: um oh i mean what can i say that um we haven't already brought up but yeah like it's it it's so upsetting in in so many things at the moment um in, in media and especially it seems to be in sci-fi and and the more broader like if you would would account like you know superhero movies and stuff as like sci-fi action as well because every like slight tiny shift towards like better representation and better diversity just has the the crowds of you know you kind of stereotypical like angry basement dwelling neckbeard kind of like uh you know, white male nerds who are just, like, incensed at the idea that that part of this, you know... They feel like the, their thing is being taken away from them or something, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And it's... Yeah, like, the term forced diversity, when they're always saying that, they're like... Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's something that a lot of these people bring up when when we do make the comparison between, like, Discovery and Deep Space Nine. You know, when they say, like, oh, no, like, Deep Space Nine, it you know, it felt natural and it and it wasn't forced it's like well what's where do you draw the line how is the diversity and discovery forced when it wasn't in you know ds9 it's like
3: yeah you you actually bring up a fantastic point which is an argument that gets levied out a lot previous iterations of trek have always been able to just layer it in and it was always subdued subdued that's the key word Mm. is it was always subdued Here's a mm. here's a crazy and, I, and I'm gonna get expletive here, so y'all might have to bleep this out. No,
0: we're a, not bleeping anything.
3: A, here's a crazy fucking idea. Maybe maybe they don't fucking want it to be subdued, and they want it to be front and center because that's where it deserves to be. It doesn't have to be in the background. This isn't fucking rise of skywalker disney edition where they have a lesbian kiss like 500 feet away from the camera obscured by an x-wing as they quickly pan the camera away and then they cut it anyways for the (laughs) international release in china if this isn't that's not what they're doing they're they're not subduing it they're not layering it in deep down so that we don't have to actually think about it too much where it's just kind of like Before it was like, hmm, maybe there was some issues with the black community. Anyways, what's going on with the Dominion? Now it's like we have these things more front and center. And I think that that's intentional. People think that the writers are not capable of making it more subdued. I think it's intentional. They're intentionally not making it so that it's secondary to what they're trying to tell. And I think that Alex Kurtzman is right to say that they fully own that. He's gone on record of saying, "This is I'm using this as a platform for diversity and inclusion, and they're leaning into it. I think that the writing of the first season of Discovery, because of the enormous issues with the first season's production, had a lot of problems with just the storyline and the writing in general. Because of that element and this inclusion stuff that they wanted to put in there, They kind of came together, and now people think that the show is poorly written, woke SJW nonsense. When in reality, that's not the case. It was just there was some poor writing going on, and there was all this inclusion stuff, which they have improved the writing, and it's gotten significantly better. But guess what? Those messages are still very much there. They're very Mm. much there. And I, I just find it fucking irritating that people will equate... Like a badly written character, as oh, it's badly written, and it's because of whamon and SJW stuff. You know what I mean? Like all the all the whammon. Whammon, You know, like they scream that whamon with an A. You know, and and it's it's they equate all these things as the same thing. And it's like, well, no, it's hmm. it's not because she's a woman that this scene sucks. It's because the writing sucks. It has nothing to do with the fact that the actress it's an actress instead of a white male actor. That has nothing to do with it. It's just that the scene was poorly written. Period. It's not because of the diversity and the inclusions and and all that other stuff. But people are unable or unwilling and don't want to separate the two constructs. So it's now formed into anytime it's the whole go woke, go-broke construct. You know, anytime you try to bring in any sort of diversity inclusion, everybody's like, it's trash, it's garbage, they're doing too much. Get rid of this. What are you trying to do? You're trying to ram it down our throats. And it's like. Here's another fucking clue. Just if you don't fucking like it, just turn it off. There's another idea. If it does <laughs> mm-hmm. if it if it's making you uncomfortable, maybe there's a reason for that, and if you don't like it, then you can just turn it off. And you can
2: just there's go There's a reason for that. Fucking examine yourself.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yes. Yes.
0: I I did actually say something like that on Facebook a few days ago that, you know, maybe you should take this time to turn your uh, thoughts inward and see why you feel the need to go shit on someone's good time and yuck someone's yum. Why do why do you mm-hmm. feel the need to do that? What why is it this hurting you?
3: So i i uh, i made a video on my YouTube channel a while back, and I dive really deep dive into the issue of one of the biggest issues that Michael Burnham as a character gets levied against is that she's a Mary Sue character. And so here's and I'm gonna and Brandi, you may get a little spiced up about my conclusion. My conclusion was that. Based off of season one, because I think I made that, I think like in the middle of season two is when the video came out. So I probably need to do an update now. But season one, Michael Burnham and my. I had like this whole chart. I had like this huge chart. I'm not going to get into the details of it, but I had this huge giant chart of like different identifiers of previous characters that were Mary Sue's, the original Mary Sue from the old Star Trek um, storyline that had originally like the whole origin of that. I'm not going to get into all that, but I had this big chart and she had met a lot of the markers and based off of the scoring sheet that I created, she was one that, that based off of that criteria, she was a quote written as a Mary Sue type character because of poor writing. The thing that I brought up in the video, though, and a lot of people commented on in the, in the you know in the comments, is there are a lot of Mary Sue type characters, and then the other construct of Gary Sue, I think, is the name for the male type characters. And the reason I brought that up in my video was, what would have this even been a conversation if Michael Burnham was a white man? And in reality, the answer, in my opinion, is definitely not, because everybody says, like, well, what about Captain mm-hmm. Kirk? What about Spock? What about these other characters? Mm-hmm. And there are things that that get them a lesser score, but they are still considered to be Gary Sue's or Stews or whatever the freaking term is, because that they're just the main characters. They're the hero characters and they need to go and do the thing and that's but because they're white men, it's something that I think some people are more comfortable with digesting, but it being a black female, it has to be this label and it's used as an insult. And I I my the point that I was making in that video is, is yes, she might be, but does it really actually matter because all of these other characters are just the same way. You know, and that was kind of the question that I posed there, but people still levy that against her. They still do.
2: And, I feel like Michael Burnham is a very similar character to fuck I can't remember his name in the expanse the, oh holden the, holden yeah holden yeah yeah and i feel like your point there i don't think anyone says that kind of stuff about holden right
0: my husband did actually oh he
3: did <laughs> well i think we're also becoming a little bit more aware of it as a as a viewing audience right because the mm-hmm. same argument was leveled against um ray from star wars they leveled the mm-hmm. same mm-hmm. argument against ray and it's it's is it because that she's a woman because they're like well no luke skywalker he had all this training and i'm like he had like 30 minutes of screen time with yoda running around in a swamp now mm-hmm. that is training i'm not denying that that's definitely definitely training but is that though luke skywalker we saw in empire and the one that we see in return of the jedi are almost two totally different characters he's clearly done some other things and all of that happened off screen but yet nobody levels that against his character and it's like, is that because he's a white man? I think you might have to consider that being one of your biases. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, so I, I find it interesting. I find it interesting that she gets that, she gets that, that label,
2: Michael Burnham. Yeah. I kind of feel like I want to give Brandy the right of reply here just
3: because as the,
2: as the resident female. female. As a, uh, yeah. And,
0: I, and again,
3: if you want the me to get into female. how it is I broke it all down. It was, it was was I was being very methodical with my process because it was based off of a scoring sheet. It wasn't just like, you know, ba- trying to base it off of this was the original Mary Sue from the Star Trek um, article from the magazine that was written. These are the elements of that. Do these characters reach that? And the answer was yes. But does that actually, does it even fucking matter? And my conclusion was no, it doesn't. But does it make for an interesting character? That's a subjective opinion thing. But anyways, I'll turn it over to you. Sorry.
0: No, that's fine. Um, The way I feel about it is this. Uh, Mary Sue is an inherently sexist term. And you can call a Gary Stew what you want, but that's not really a thing. It really just isn't a thing because male characters, especially white male characters, get away with this kind of stuff all the time with zero criticism. So it is absolutely all about sexism and about racism, and unfortunately for Michael Burnham, it became both of those things. I mm-hmm. I didn't I don't see her as a Mary Sue because in the very first episode she commits an act so heinous that it is the worst thing that you can do in Starfleet. Is that really what a Mary Sue does? Kind of not no. <laughs> you see,
2: she is fundamentally flawed. She is There's fundamentally flawed,
0: and so mm. I'm not saying I'm I'm not saying that you're wrong about by the standards set for Mary Sue that mm-hmm. she is a Mary Sue because the standards themselves are flawed.
3: Yes. So I agree, you know. I mm-hmm. I do not disagree with you at yeah. all on that. Yeah. And so, you're right and, to say that it is a sexist term. It is. Yeah.
0: It is. And it, mm-hmm. and I'm not I'm not offended by you finding that, you know, she met that criteria because of course that criteria was created by white men. So, you know, just to I don't, I don't understand this fear of strong females or fear of strong people of color. I don't, I've never understood it. It, it makes me like really angry. Like I can get really angry. None of you guys have ever seen me (laughs) really angry. And I pray that you never do because it is ugly. It is like a, it's like an atomic bomb has gone off and there is just wreckage everywhere. I just I can't I can't put into words how stupid mm-hmm. this level of of looking at people is. I just I will never feel that that is in any way part of itic. That is never going to be mm-hmm. part of infinite diversity. Diversity doesn't mean we have to accept people behaving badly. Mm-hmm. And we just You know, I I knew this was going to happen the minute that I heard about Discovery. uh, I didn't pay a lot of attention to it at first because it was, this is going to happen. Oh, is it going to happen? Now it's going to happen. Oh, we're not sure it's going to happen. It's going to be out. No, it's not going to be out. And so I was just kind of like tired and I just just stopped thinking about it. But then it's okay here. It's coming out on September 24th of 2017 Mm -hmm. and... I had something to actually grab onto. And the minute that I first saw trailers and stuff, I'm like, uh, fuck, this is going to get a lot of flack. Yeah. I knew well, immediately. Because the first
2: trailers included Burnham and Georgiou, so a, yeah.
3: a character of a Oh,
2: my Malay God, descend. an
0: Asian woman and a black woman? Where are the oh, men? I
3: think you mean the wah-men. Yeah. <laughs> the the wah-men. <laughs> wah like a spooky yeah. ghost God. is saying it. Yeah, it's weird.
0: Yeah, that's actually what I call oh, the man. people criticizing it. They're the whammy. <laughs> Wham! I'm wah, not representing!
3: The, the That's it. Yeah. yeah. It's- oh,
2: is that what that term's
3: about? <laughs> that's right. That's right. And, you know, and it, you bring that up a, a good point there, too, because I know another criticism that the first season of Discovery got was they're like, all of the white men in the show are portrayed as either gay or evil. And I'm like, I did not notice that, and And I (laughs) was not something that was a concern for me, but some people thought like that was some kind of hidden messaging that they were going to get rid of. And I know when Anson Mount portrayed Captain Pike, they were like, finally, we've got a real strong leader back, and what Mm -hmm. you mean is finally you have a, a straight white male captain, which, by the way... And Samant is not the person that those people would like in real life because he is very much against <laughs> all of that attitude for oh, sure yeah. as an individual. Oh, yeah. uh, so, surprise, surprise, you know. But you, know, you bring up a point there like the, the term Mary Sue was, was essentially co opted by people to use as an insult and mm-hmm. to be derogatory because the whole construct of it originally was written by a woman um, who was submitting essentially a satirical story to the Star Trek magazine and was not intended to be taken seriously or literally, but has become this thing that has been completely co-opted into this, this weaponized phrase that people use to hit other folks over the head with. And, and it's, and it's, you know, and I, I, I I would, I would stress to think what that, what that woman thinks about her story that she writ that she wrote, I don't know, probably 45 years ago. Has mm. turned into this thing because I doubt that she was under the impression that it was going to have this impact, and has been co-opted by people to just use as a hate speech. Yeah. Mm. So
0: this is. Yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Liam. You were going to say something.
3: Oh no, I was.
2: If you got something else to say on that point, because I was going to change the topic a little no, bit. No,
0: uh, all I well, just you know, as as of as a woman, as a person who identifies as female, uh, I especially in where I live. I get subjected to sexism pretty much every day. And so I do these tiny little things to cheer myself up. Well, they're not tiny to me, but they may seem tiny to someone else. But whenever I'm watching anything, any show, any movie, what have you, if I see that it was written by a woman or directed by a woman produced by a woman and man when i saw birds of prey i was doing this in the theater a lot Mm. written by a lady produced by a lady by women (laughs) directed by a lady you know that that's what i do now (laughs) and my husband god love him has just his he just accepts it and if if i don't do it he does it for me (laughs) so he's like oh you miss this loudly at the cinema Oh, yeah, I absolutely did it loudly at the cinema, because I give zero fucks.
2: <laughs> uh, yeah. oh, that's brilliant. This yeah. podcast brought to you
0: by a lady. By a lady. <laughs> by women. By a lady. Co <laughs> so produced by a lady. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right.
3: Well, no, you're only right. on the podcast because you're a woman. Oh, yes. No. Oh, yes, I am. Yeah.
0: Right. and right. And I that. will... I will stand here <laughs> proudly and continue to be yeah. the big fat nerd I am about Star Trek, regardless of whether I'm a token female.
2: So I might be Damn the token gay?
0: <laughs> you can be the token <laughs> gay, sweetie.
3: Okay. Okay. If that's
2: who I want
0: to be called as, we'll have to redo
3: the intro, but sure. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's record a
0: bit afterwards. I'll edit it all together. It'll yeah, be fine, fine in post. I'll fix it in post. Yeah, here we
3: are with Big <laughs> Dumb Nick. We've got Dr. Nick. And we've got the token gay. Yeah. Token female, token Token gay.
0: Token female, token gay. That's right. Yeah, yeah. That's how we roll. That makes you two
2: the two evil white men. Um. Dang it! Well,
3: I'll just get destroyed Mm. in an asteroid field like that guy from season two of Discovery.
0: (laughs) The reply guy dies. Yes.
2: I fucking
1: (laughs) love that bit so much.
3: that oh, was yeah. one of their more hamfisted moments. I would. I'm hamfisted sounds. Yeah, clear, but, but was, I still love yeah, it. Yeah, it was. It was definitely intentional. That was not. Again, that goes back uh, yeah. to people being like, "Oh, this is too. This isn't subdued." Like, folks, that that was intentional. That mm-hmm. they did that on purpose. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It's like, see, see, see this guy. That's yeah, you. I'm surprised. Like, mm-hmm. right as he was dying, he wasn't just screaming out, "Men are better," and then just got exploded <laughs> in space. You know, it's. That was I I
1: would have uh, loved if his last words were um actually. <laughs> <laughs> um actually, yeah.
0: Yeah, right. cuz that's is, when we did our very rushed retrospective of seasons 1 and 2 before we started season 3 of discovery over at What the future holds. Also here on Sweet Media, check it out. Uh we that's that ended up being the title of the episode for that first episode, uh first retrospective of season 2 because basically Connolly was a reply guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, he was that guy, guy. that's like, uh, no, you're not right. Uh, no, that's dumb. Uh, no, everything you say is wrong and everything I say is right. And he was busy being a reply guy when he got
3: killed. I, I would actually say the only thing that, that I disliked about that is the idea that Captain Pike would suffer an officer with that attitude. Because I doubt yeah. it. Yeah. That was the only thing that yeah. was like that couldn't have said so out. It's like, there's no way that Captain Pike would allow this dude to have this kind of an attitude working on his bridge crew. It just wouldn't. It doesn't make sense. That was the only thing that was like, this stands out as like a weird thing because it's like, I just... The Pike that we know, that's not... That would not have been acceptable. Cage (laughs) Pike might have. Cage Pike. uh, Well, I mean, that's... I mean, that's... That's 1960s Pike. We have to... We understand the cultural context of 60s Pike... Being,
0: I feel um, like Brand
2: is like gonna kill me or something. Yes, maybe I don't know. Looking no. at her face. Uh,
0: um. <laughs> <laughs> what is going on? No, uh, I was going to say, <laughs> the the thing is with Pike and Connolly. Pike was constantly like digging at Connolly. Oh, okay. From the moment well, that's true. they that's true. came <laughs> yeah. on. Maybe he didn't like him. He was
3: just like, yeah, he's coming to here to embarrass you.
0: Yeah, basically like that when uh, when Burnham says you know like like a compass uh, uh, pointing north uh, in the North Pole and something to that effect and and uh, Pike turns to Connolly and says yeah think of all the syllables that gave their lives you know it <laughs> <she> was <laughs> short and succinct and just he's just constantly digging at Connolly so my my personal feeling is he he had to have the best scientist with him and that turned out to be this guy but he didn't actually like him <laughs> mm, yeah
3: that's possible that's very possible yeah that's very true
0: that's my head canon, because he was like uh, he was constantly giving shit to Connolly. constantly
2: <laughs> now i've got two things that i do want to bring up yes um one is sort of like a different bit but um with Deep Space
3: Nine, bringing it back to...
2: Oh, oh, is this Deep Space, space right. Nine what
0: podcast? Space oh, this is
3: podcast. a Deep Space Nine podcast. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> okay. Right. Mm. Sorry, I thought um, this was a hair podcast, so. <laughs> Oh,
2: there <yeah>, it is. <laughs> cool. so it's that I'm dying at green. Uh, <laughs> so I just wanted to sort of point out a little bit of the subtleties that Deep Space Nine brought in, like the, the creators of Deep Space Nine brought in around African-American culture. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously... From the 60s and, I guess, 70s as well, like we all know that it was generally a white man's world. Mm. To a certain extent, we've already talked about it. It still is. If you were a black person on TV, you sort of still had to join in with the homogeneity of what it's going to be. So there's not generally many African-American or sort of descent kind of culture shown, I guess, too much. But if you look at Deep Space Nine and you look at it kind of carefully, not only is Cisco a black man, an African American on lead of the show, but there was a load of little things in there that sort of point to the heritage and like his descent. So obviously he's from New Orleans, which has a strong connection to African American culture with his Cajun food, etc. But in the search, for example, he points out that he's got his artwork out. It wasn't just some random shitty artwork that a child drew. You know my hatred of children's artwork but it was specifically <laughs> I talented. don't, but
3: now I kind of want to, but
2: yeah. <laughs> broccoli, <laughs> it's
0: broccoli on your head.
2: <laughs> exactly. Um, it was specifically said to be African art, and it was African art in the search. Mm-hmm. Um, as well as in Emissary, he had a baseball cap, and it was the Homestead Greys hat, which was in the Negro Leagues, and an all-black baseball team mm-hmm. so It's just like these little subtle hints of like this is the culture and i'm not going to back down from that kind of thing and i thought whilst um to be honest i found that whilst reading a scholarly article on uh, <laughs> cisco this morning but it you know i didn't even notice it but those kind of little hints at the culture of um african-american society still being shown in the 2300s or 2400s it was yeah i thought it was nice
3: Yeah, I I agree. I think that, you know, again, I kind of go back to how people are accepting of that idea, but you know, like they they'll throw it at Discovery Show, like why do they have to keep bringing up these diversity inclusion topics on this show? Wouldn't that art? It's already been done and gone with for hundreds of hundreds of years at this point, but yet they're acceptable to a black captain having an all Negro baseball team's cap. And that's okay, but it's like no, because it's it's not just this is just a television show, okay? But they're trying to get across his social message. And yes, does it make sense that he would, as someone that far in the future, would have an authentic baseball cap from that team? Likely no, but that's not the, the freaking point. Right, replicators or whatever. Like the the, the, mm. the point is is that's not that's not the point of him having the cap. It the point is is like you said to add that layer of depth to mm. his character. And the culture that they're attempting to bring in to the frame that they're trying to add to the depth of his character and, and what that really means for the culture of people who are watching it in the nineties because that's yeah. who's actually consuming. Exactly. The right. And and that's and yeah, I agree. It's very important to have that stuff.
2: As well, the episode in the cards where I don't know, there's some baseball card things going on, but one of them was of the last player to be in the Negro Leagues to make it in big or something like Willie Mays. I don't understand baseball at all, but, um, again, it was just another tiny, tiny hint. And I mean, I'm sort of rambling on here, but
3: no, I um, mean, you're right though. You're right to say like that, that kind of goes into it. And that's kind of like what I was talking about earlier too, where I feel like the studios were trying to like lean into it a little bit, but not too much, but those random flare-ups of culture and um, heritage did pop up occasionally and I you know nowadays I feel like they're much more open to the idea of having more of that I think even in Burnham's quarters in this most recent episode there was some there were some um, paintings and some statues and stuff like that in the background that were uh, int- like I don't know, I don't know what the heritage of it was. They kind of it didn't really pan on it there, but it, it was definitely something there that was more than what she had before, which was nothing, was very Spartan, which was her character. But right, they've added a little bit more flair to that. I think to continue to add into that depth for people who are watching it now in 2020, because that's what's yeah. important. Because this is just a television show trying to convey a message, a social message, and that's what's important. And I think people forget that sometimes that it is a TV show trying to reach an audience that isn't, that doesn't live in the year 3000. They live in 2020.
1: (laughs) So. Yeah. (laughs) Agree. Uh, Very much. Oh, I was just saying like, it's this kind of just made me think of it as well, that it's very interesting that all of the, and for Cisco's character, having him be so in touch with, you know, his own cultural heritage like that, it was of course intentionally for the audience, as we were saying, I think it also works very well with his character in the Mm -hmm. universe because, you know, him knowing and understanding and just remembering this history of, you know, coming from a culture who were oppressed for so long on Earth, he is able to see that. And, you know, that's probably one of the things that helps him, you know, as the character to find such solidarity with the Bajorans and to Mm -hmm. sort of... adopt his role as the emissary so well so i think that really it it gives the character so much depth and it makes him really work in that role i agree you know it's
3: actually like now that we're talking about it it's actually a bit of a of a fun twist on the way that they've established some of the backgrounds of like captain picard because he just he's Mm. a guy that likes old shit you know he likes wine to be made traditionally his family is very traditional in that regards and those feed into his character of like he likes old books and he likes you know the fucking pan flute and all that you know and it it, it, that was like a it's like a way that they took that construct that added layers to his character and they kind of twisted it a little bit to kind of like okay but now we're going to apply it to a black male lead so how do we how do we make this relevant Mm -hmm. they could have just had him be someone who's similar to Picard in nature that's like oh yeah I just love old shit too but they didn't they added that extra depth to it. it's like not only does he like old shit but it's old stuff related to black culture and black heritage because again it's about the message for the audience at that time and mm-hmm. i think that's what that's what resonated and i think as a a bigger step i don't think there was a lot of people like really pining for the old wine uh, construct when The Next Generation came out. They were, they didn't have a big <laughs> crowd for that. So they tried to make that, instead of just being a layer for just the character, they made it as a layer for the character and for the viewing audience, which is, I think, just mm. speaks to the, the complexities of, of having a black male lead, and that they were really thinking about it, I think, in some regards.
2: So I've got a question for you all. Of post-discovery shows... Would you say Deep Space Nine is the pinnacle of diversity within Star Trek? Oh, you mean pre discovery? Pre discovery. I was so like, are they up coming out words. with another season or what are we doing here? It's this, <laughs> okay. like, we hurry. got the hot
3: eight... news people. I better get my this... lights on. I got to make a video. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: Uh, yeah, so I totally meant pre, don't worry about editing my idiocy out. Now I'm Vedic stupid. <laughs>
3: it's a title that everyone can have at some point. Yeah, exactly. It's okay, token
2: okay. gay. <laughs> 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 it kind of rhymed too, I like it. That's good. Can that be the title? It's okay, it's okay token, token gay. It's okay, token gay. <laughs> That's a
0: great, let me write that down. That's a great title option. And since I'm editing... That's pretty good. Uh, got it. So um, what
3: was your your question Is is, do you think DS9 is the most diverse show pre-Discovery?
2: Definitely pre. <laughs> yeah.
3: I would say yes. I would say yes. Mm. I think that for all of their faults, I think the Kelvin films did try to Increase the diversity as much as they could but they were constricted by the bounds of the original series cast but they definitely stretched it I think as far as they could by having Ohura having a more prominent role having an interracial relationship there having Sulo have a, uh, a gay relationship with his partner and, and having an adopted uh, child as well and so I think that they did the best that they could but they were definitely constricted um, so I would say yes Deep Space Nine was probably the most diverse show pre-discovery.
1: Yeah, It was definitely the show to embrace The idea of diversity the most And, and celebrate it I think Because like obviously we've, we've spoken at length About
2: the black captain And son But you do have the undertones that the trill bring mm-hmm. um, mm. And then we do have that Kiss in rejoined Between Dax And the other character I can't remember their name Um, I just remember the actor, Susanna Thompson. There we go. We'll just go with that. That's her name. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: Yeah, so pre-ball queen. Um, Then you've got... As far as you know. (laughs) um, (laughs) (laughs) The... What's it called? What's it called? Um, Sorry, I'm blanking. Garrick. I mean, we don't fully get to understand Garrick's nature but or sexuality, but, I mean, that's very
3: underneath there. Yeah, I mean, and again, like from that podcast or from the documentary, What We Left Behind, there was obviously a push that that they talk about quite heavily um, that Ira Stephen Bear talks about that they were trying to push, I think, internally to the writers from this idea of a Garrick-Bashir relationship. But Mm -hmm. even he openly admits, like Mm -hmm. in the documentary that they never asked the studio if they could do that. I think it was probably just they I, I'm assuming at the time they probably just assumed that the studio would have said no um so they never bothered they, would, to bring they it wouldn't up. have allowed they wouldn't have allowed wouldn't
2: have allowed, allowed Bashir yeah. yeah
3: so I think that they would have just said no we're not doing that but right like that was something that was definitely on the books for sure with Garrick in particular and maybe maybe they've maybe they would have reworked it so maybe it wasn't Bashir it would have been a different character with Garrick but yeah, I think that there there was a lot of implication there with Garrick just kind of being. I think that also kind of goes with his duties as a spy, because I think spies are kind of like, you got to be ready for anything. I think they even touched a little bit on that um, one of the James Bond movies very lightly, where they were like, you know, kind of implying that James Bond has had to sleep with some men in order to do his job. But, uh, you know, again, that's a very 10,000 foot Disney-esque kind of perspective on it. Like, don't get too close to that, though. I don't want to freak everybody (laughs) out. But sounds like I want to start watching some James Bond movies. Yeah, you guys know what I'm talking about? Oh, well it was in a s- I was in Skyfall. Oh, I, can't remember. I believe. It's one of the was it was it? in Skyfall yeah. and uh um, they did it not once. pick up on it. The villain played by I believe it was Javier Bardem. Is that who played yeah, that
0: role? That was And heavier. he's kind
3: of like he's yeah. obviously and again they don't call attention to it because gosh forbid they ever talked about that in a Bond movie, but mm-hmm. he's played as somebody who I think is trying to come across as gay, but they don't really call too much attention to it.
1: the the very very right exactly
3: and there's a scene where he like puts both hands on you know james bond's legs when they have him tied up to a chair and he says something like uh you're nervous like this is your first time and then he was like what makes you think this is my first time and the implication there there was like they were talking about i think like torture but the implication of that discussion was about him having a man's hands on his thighs so that, I think, is kind of very similar to the way that they kind of did some implications with Garrick's character. Where it's like, we're not going to draw too much attention to this, but there's something there. And again, like I say, like spies probably have to just do all sorts of crazy stuff that we would not think about. And I'm sure that that's probably one of the things they have to get over pretty quickly to do their jobs. And he was an effective mm-hmm. spy. One of the best. So
0: Okay.
2: Because you can
3: move on to something
2: like Enterprise, where the representation was... Not as great.
0: Well, I was actually going to bring that up because mm. we have Deep Space Nine, which I, pre-discovery, I do agree, is the pinnacle of diversity. Because then we have Voyager, which, yeah, we got we finally got a lady, Captain.
3: The woman.
0: <laughs> yeah. But uh, they went back to a lot of safe white guys as well. And I, yeah. oh sure, we have a black guy, but he's a Vulcan. Yeah, exactly. In mm-hmm. Vulc- in, in Voyager, yeah, and they're just—they could have pushed that agenda further, and they kind of just backed away instead. And then they backed away even further with Enterprise, and I found that disappointing because well, the really... amount of problems people
2: have with voyager with a female captain brandy
0: oh i know i know there were plenty As of problems well, that was with just that n- but major. outside of the female captain was there really was anything else and see that's the thing we had way more diversity across the entire cast with deep space nine we, we yeah. i
3: would agree with that 100 i think yeah i think that yeah they had chakotay um who was an interesting character? They had Milana Torres, who was um, a female engineer. A female engineer. So I feel like they were yeah. trying to push. I feel like they were trying to push different boundaries with Voyager. Mm-hmm. Whereas I, I feel like, and I'm just I'm super speculating here on this, where I feel like they were pushing the racial diversity a bit more with Deep Space Nine, but the gender diversity they were pushing a little bit more with Voyager, when they didn't Mm. really have to separate Mm. it like that. I think maybe they were just afraid of doing both at the same time. Mm
0: -hmm. And then
3: right to say, like, then they did Enterprise, which I love Enterprise. Mm -hmm. I love Enterprise. I
0: do too. But they rolled it way back.
3: They were like, we're we're taking it all Mm -hmm. the way back here, and we're going to go. And I think that partly is because they were running out of ideas, but I think that they were trying to get a safe bet, and they thought Mm -hmm. that was going to help. And I love the crew. I have nothing against them. It's just, yes, they did not do a sufficient job no. with creating a diverse environment absolutely not yeah. just like slam the door shut on travis and hoshi
0: mm-hmm. right they and they, they probably they with those that. characters
3: they
2: underwrite
0: yeah.
3: those characters mayweather i mean other than every time he opens his mouth he reminds you that he's he's a boomer or whatever. And he was born on a cargo ship and I'd never been to earth before I was 11 or whatever. Like he has like the same five lines, you know, and Hoshi, same thing. It's like, I don't like being in space and this is making me feel uncomfortable. Those are her same five lines. That's all she gets. So they didn't know how to write those characters, but everybody else had things to do, in my opinion. I think that they underutilized those characters a lot.
2: They didn't know how to show off
3: Travis's arms.
0: They didn't. We get that one scene of him being shirtless, and then you find out it's But not it's, even memorable.
2: it's memorable. It's <laughs> memorable. Well, I mean, and not
3: to mention the fact that, all, I mean, again, like, not only did Enterprise, and this is, I don't want to turn this into an Enterprise sh- shit-talking session, but not only did they roll back the diversity <laughs> thing, but they also upped... I would say the sexism quite a bit in that show mm-hmm. with the gratuitous mm-hmm. shots of Jolene Blaylock's midriff, her bottom, her breasts, everything. And yes, and I understand that uh, uh, Connor Trenier is also just as, just as naked as she is in that sequence. But, and they focus on his abs and butt and biceps too. But that whole thing is just does not age well. That all mm-hmm. of that time that they're in the decon chambers, it does not age mm. well. It's weird that they're Oof. rubbing glittered lotion on each other. It's just a really terrible sequence, and that was featured very. I remember watching like the previews for like season two or three of of Enterprise on like the the, the television, and like every one of them included a shot, the shot of Julian Blaylock disrobing herself, that That's rear cool. shot. Every single trailer included that. And it's like, why? Mm. What is the point of that? And it's just to play up this sexy role, I guess. But it doesn't really mm. pan well when you look at the character. And it just comes off weird. And I think it poisoned Julian Blaylock from ever wanting to come back to Star Trek, in my opinion. The way that they played those characters out. I really do. She, has nothing, she doesn't want to have anything to do with Star Trek anymore. And I think it's because of, of creepy, weird shit like that. I do.
0: Yeah. Well, and it happened mm. in... Really odd places too, because in the episode Carbon Creek, where they're tell, where T'Pol is telling the story of her ancestor, it, yeah. who is played, of course, by Jolene Blaylock, and they have that scene where they have to find clothes, and of course, the we start with just guys already having their clothes, but no, we've got to backlight a white sheet and show J- Jolene Blaylock in all her glory, nipples and everything,
1: right. and that was mm. just.
0: For the type of story they were telling, that was so jarring and offensive, yeah. and it makes me so angry. It's the one black mark on that episode, which is a really good episode, but it it's brought down by that one scene. They didn't have to do that. No. it's just there for a, the male gaze.
3: When she turns around because she's wearing the dress backwards, backwards, I think it's— And then they mm-hmm. still have to show a little bit of skin. we got to let mm-hmm. everybody know that we've got— hot Vulcan on board, you know? Don't it's worry. Disgusting. It's like, who is this for? Like, what is this? It's very, it does neck not Neckbeards.
0: Well. It's for yeah. the neckbeards who live in their mm-hmm. mom's basins. That's what it it's for. It doesn't age well.
3: It no. does not age well. It, 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 yeah, it does not. Like, I just did a watch party. Um, One of another podcaster, Trek Lad, he does a, a watch party on Sundays where he's watching through all of Enterprise. And we just watched... Um, one of the episodes where they were in the decon chamber and it was like oh this is making me uncomfortable to watch this because mm-hmm. there's a lot of mm. weird gratuitous shots there that are zeroed in on that and it's weird that again where they went from Deep Space Nine and Voyager and then they rolled all of those things back with Enterprise and it's like you guys were on your way and then you decided to jump back 30 years for some bizarre reason
0: mm-hmm. yeah it kind of reminds you of what happened four years ago <laughs> People have yeah. had enough of diversity Let's and up equality. Here. <laughs> yeah. I had it up to here with that. Yeah. Had it up to here with this social justice warrior shit. Yeah.
3: Anyway. And, yeah. I gotcha. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, yeah. Have we anything else to discuss, gentlemen? i don't
3: think so i'm not sure
0: do we want to do final thoughts final thoughts anyone final thoughts
3: sure we can do final thoughts i nominate token gay
0: token gay your final thoughts first
3: (laughs) can somebody
2: else go first while
3: i think of some final thoughts
0: okay (laughs) dr nick dr nick
1: all right oh my final thoughts um Yeah, you know what? I think I might bring up as a final thought uh, something that I, or similar to what I brought up um, recently when I was on Open Channel with um, Chris Littlefield, is that the, the portrayal of diversity in all media, but especially I think in Star Trek and like Deep Space Nine, we've talked about how important it was and how important it is for black people, especially like black kids growing up in America, seeing a character like Cisco being the captain. Uh, It was also important, you know, for me uh, as like a straight white kid, seeing this, seeing this kind of diversity and thinking, oh, yeah, like other people can have these roles as well. Um, And I, you know, said this on the other podcast, I'll say it again now, like I personally, I am basically sick of seeing people like me in the media so much because i'm so very aware that the media uh landscape is just so dominated by straight white men still today and it's so important for everyone you know it's so important for people of different backgrounds whether it's sexual or orientation gender identity race whatever to see themselves represented and it's also really really important for people of my background you know people with you know white privilege male privilege straight privilege whatever to see other stories being told you know to see that you know w- even though we are the ones promoted shown the most in media it doesn't mean that we're the default you know all of these different stories need to have uh equal weight and promotion in the media and i think it's just very very beneficial for everyone to see diverse portrayals of different people in the media and honestly i think deep space nine was one of the things that really got that ball rolling uh in science fiction
3: i agree excellent yeah i agree totally you know i'll, I'll share my final thoughts is i i'm so thankful that these people and they are people you know michelle nichols avery Bur- brooks these these icons in the Star Trek community, I'm so glad that they were able to crawl and drag and just rip down all of these barriers that were you know in between them and success inside of the Star Trek franchise. I'm so glad that they fought those those fights off camera so that we could enjoy what we have now. Um, where I every time I see an ad for Star Trek Discovery, the only person I see on those ads is Seneca Martin Green and she's front and center there she is loud and proud and and all of her glory and it's because of the hard work that was put in and the the obstacles that were overcome by those 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 few that really wanted to make a difference that we are able to enjoy that now and as a kid watching deep space 9 i didn't understand it and the importance of it at the time but now going back and seeing it it's it's I'm just so thankful for it. I'm thankful that it occurred. I'm thankful that they thought that that was something worth doing because it's only benefited us as Trekkies and as people uh, in living in 2020 and, and beyond. So I'm really just thankful for it and I'm glad that they did it. And I I just want more. I hope that it continues to grow. And I think that's going to with all the seven shows that they have in production stages right now. I think it's just going to continue to expand in diversity and inclusion and Star Trek is going to lead the charge as it should be. And everybody that's coming along, kicking and screaming, I have a feeling in 10 years, they're going to be saying, no, that's Star Trek, whatever you're doing now isn't. And they're going to be totally fine with what we're doing now. And I'm (laughs) confident of that because that seems to be the life cycle of fandoms, specifically with Star Trek. You know, after 10 years, people will love it no matter Mm -hmm. what. And that's going to happen here. And, And that's going to be referencing shows that are super, diverse, and super inclusive to all areas of life. So, I'm thankful for
0: it. Token gay. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Yeah,
3: come on, token Um,
2: gay. So, to be honest, I'm going to not say something as profound as these two. I just want to tell people to get off the fucking dickhead train and get on the train towards idic and inclusivity and equality and that star trek is moving us towards that ever so slowly or helping <laughs> should i say
3: well yeah. think of all the syllables you just saved <laughs> um actually and yeah, uh, <laughs> <men> are better <laughs> ah! <laughs> Wham. Wham.
0: <laughs> uh uh You know, my husband has actually said more than once that people only love a Star Trek series uh, unconditionally at least five years after the last episode has aired. Mm -hmm. So that is something that he has noticed as well. I honestly, as a cis-het white female, there's not a lack of representation as far as cis white hetero females. (laughs) But just personally, my own personal experience with representation uh, came in the form of one Sylvia Tilly. Mm -hmm. And I didn't realize how important that was until it happened. And now I feel like I can feel a piece, just a tiny piece of what it's been like for black women, black men, other people of color, religion, gender identity, etc., I can feel a tiny piece of what it's like to see someone like you on the screen and how much that matters because there are tons of people out there that need that representation and it should be happening everywhere, everywhere. And it's not yet. And this is 2020. We think we're so advanced and we're still so backwards on this one thing, which is diversity. And I don't understand why we just can't get our shit together. But I am so... Also, I am grateful that I have Mm -hmm. had Star Trek my whole life to teach me very, very quietly. You know, it's not... It wasn't in my... When I was a child, you know, it wasn't in my face. I didn't understand that I was being given a social message. Mm-hmm. As a teenager, I absolutely understood, but you know, revisiting the original series, I it's it was really eye opening as an adult because I just thought, oh, I never realized that that is what they were talking about. I mean, there were some things that were obvious, but Star Trek has been one of the best vehicles for promoting diversity throughout the ages, and the fact that it is now really just blowing it out of the water right now with discovery just gives me hope and hope as you all know is extremely important especially people who have been through a lot of trauma in these trying times and you know we need we need to do more we need to be more like the people that we're watching on screen and we need to make those changes in our laws in our society, and it's not something that will happen overnight, but that's the whole thing. that Star Trek future didn't happen overnight either. yeah, and if we want to get there, we're the ones that are going to have to do the work it's it's starts with us so that we can get there.
3: That's really well said brandy I, I I want to throw something out there. I think I something that popped in my head from why you were talking about your representation uh, attachment to to Tilly. I'm going to throw this out there for anybody out there who's listening, because I feel like some people forget this, which is there are folks out there who watch Star Trek who are not feeling any attachment towards the diversity aspect of it. And that's okay. What's not okay is when you try to take away people's attachments to what they are experiencing in the show if it's not if you're not watching it for the diversity piece that's fine you don't have to do that but don't try to ruin someone else's experience and their own feelings and attachments towards the show then you can just watch it for just enjoying the entertainment and not think about that that's okay too those things can those things are not mutually exclusive they can exist at the same time and it's okay i'm just throwing that out there because I felt like it was necessary to kind of cap off all of these these important discussions that we've had here about the importance of diversity and maybe somebody's sitting there listening to this well I don't care about that well that's okay then just mm-hmm. enjoy the show and and don't be don't be as Liam put it the token gay put it just get off the dickhead train and just relax.
0: Yeah. Well, there have been times where I have expressed my <sighs> deep and abiding appreciation and love for Tilly. And I've had someone jump in and be a reply guy and talk about how much they hate her and think she's terribly written and et cetera. So yeah, don't be that person.
3: Right. It's it's not necessary. You okay. don't have to. Here's another thing. Here is uh, uh, being reply guy, being devil's advocate. That's not a that's not a personality trait to have. That's not a full personality. Okay. You don't have to say something you really mm-hmm. don't you don't have to you don't have to say anything you can actually just click away that's the beauty of the internet and then mm-hmm. and then just do something mm-hmm. else you can just do that yeah words uh, to live by the kai has spoken
2: the kai has, has spoken. spoken
3: that's right kai yeah. stupid i think
2: kai right. stupid nick has, <laughs> spoken. Has, <I laughs> has spoken
0: thank
3: you thank you mm. Mark, write it down so we don't forget
0: uh, yes, I will write this down and I will release this as notes to all the rest of the Vedics who were present at this assembly.
2: Vedics <laughs> Littlefield, <laughs> Vedic Williamson. <laughs> so many Vedics. Vedic I've Roberts. Done. There's a lot of Vedics. I know. The, uh, <laughs> the other
0: Vedic Jackala who's in the other room. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs>
2: Vedic Prime out there.
1: <laughs> waiting for me
0: to be done so we can have dinner. <laughs> <laughs>
1: V- Vedic Mutur is waiting for me to make pancakes.
0: Mm-hmm. Ooh, pancakes. Oh, I love oh, pancakes. coming pancakes over. Okay. <laughs> I will have breakfast food for dinner anytime. Mm,
3: seriously, <laughs> like, breakfast is I'm the not... best.
2: Yeah.
0: I know. It's true. the best anytime of day, anytime of day. So, again, Kai, thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate you. And we've had a marvelous time and frankly you're welcome anytime man this has been a great discussion <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> thank you so for much for having ex- me yeah thanks so,
3: i i thought i thought it was great i really enjoyed it it was we got into zoom this wasn't as uh, jovial as my janeway uh video <laughs> uh that folks hopefully they go and tune into that as well but this one i think was just as good because you know it's it's an important topic and i think it needs to continue to be talked about and i and agree appreciate completely. it
0: I agree completely. So tell people, again, where to find you uh, outside of this podcast.
3: Certainly. You can find me on YouTube at uh, just youtube.com slash ketwalski. That's my primary method of content creation right now. Uh, You can also find me on Twitter at RealKetwalski, and I am on Facebook. Just the name Ketwalski will bring up my Facebook fan page and my Ketwalski account, which you can add me on there and send me messages if you'd like. And uh, if I have the time, I will definitely respond back to you.
2: Fantastic. Is Ketwalski your last name?
3: No, it's something I made up completely. Um, it's a combination of Kowalski from Stargate SG-1. And uh, I know, one of my favorites who dies every time he's in an episode. And uh, a Ketwal, which is one of the character creatures that George Lucas superimposes over the Wolfman for, I think, the second edition of the special release of A New Hope on VHS. So And it looks like a giant elephant in the room. So, yeah. Yeah. I thought I was extraordinarily clever in my nickname uh, creations, and now here I am, several years on, and I'm like, well, nobody can find my YouTube channel because no one's ever heard of a Kowalski before. But it's okay; it's the brand now. I'm sticking to it.
0: Yes. All right, Fair enough. Uh, Vedic Smart, will you give us our benediction?
2: <laughs> sure. This is <laughs> don't you do, don't change it halfway through like I do to. You. <laughs>
0: I'm never going to do that to you.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, So thank you for listening to this episode of the Vedic Assembly. Before we close, Nick and Liam record on the traditional lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation and the Ghana people of the Adelaide Plains, respectively. We We pay our respects to elders past, present, and emerging and acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded. You can keep up to date with our episode releases on Twitter at VedicAssembly if we remember to put them out. <laughs> like the last episode. <laughs> on Facebook at facebook.com slash VedicAssembly. And please also join us in our listeners' community called the Nexus. Just search for the Nexus on Facebook and you should find it. Join the discussion about all new episodes of Star Trek Discovery on there. You can find me on Twitter at LS74656 and on this network hosting The Janeway, our Star Trek Voyager podcast. You can find Nick on Twitter at PunkZoologist and on Instagram at PunkRockZoologist. And you can find Brandy on this network hosting go, our Strange New Worlds podcast, What the Future Holds, our Star Trek Discovery podcast and fucking everything else under the sun. And on Twitter at BrandyY12. That's Brandy with an I and 12 with a number. The Vedic Assembly is part of the Hollisley Media Network.
0: Vedics, (laughs) disassemble.
3: That sounded like a Transformers thing there.
0: (laughs) show is brought to you by Sweet media computer list other available Sweet media programs
2: loading Sweet preview program for open channel a star trek community
3: podcast but i just want i wish that more straight cis
1: white guys said things like that and realized things like that and i please continue to to try and show them the way <laughs> i try and
3: of course i have responsibility too i am I am cisgender and I am white, you know. Even though I'm I'm a homo, so <laughs> uh, I think that's great, Nick. I think we should just wrap the show now and end on that note. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, thank you so much, thank you. Loading hollow preview
2: program for the Janeway, a Star Trek Voyager podcast. Before that timepiece stopped working,
0: mm-hmm, that really because ugly. he saw
2: it in the shop window. That really ugly timepiece.
0: When I first watched it, I thought, okay, yes, this is a clock that maybe somebody puts on their desk or mm-hmm. on a wall somewhere. But later we see somebody pull the same thing out of their pocket. Do they not have watches? <laughs>
2: yeah. Oh, It's like one of those like huge clunky mobile phones that all they ever did was like call people. It's like, nope, this is just a big clock for my pocket.
0: It's something that Flavor Flav should be wearing around his neck. It's that big and obnoxious.
2: Is that a clock in your pocket, or are you just happy to see me? <laughs> oh, no, no, it's it's just a clock. It's most definitely <laughs> a clock. <laughs> Loading Sweet Preview Program for What the Future Holds, a Star Trek Discovery Podcast.
3: Look at previous star trek series where they appealed to the male gaze mm-hmm. you had seven of nine you had just those episodes T'Pol. of mm-hmm. enterprise yeah to paul when
2: they're in their little decompression chamber or yeah. whatever when, yeah mm-hmm. when they're yeah in their let's undies. objectify
3: the male a little bit
0: around. yeah, yeah equal <laughs> it's
2: nice to
3: change it up
0: right see if you're gonna objectify a woman then you've got to objectify a man to balance it out because then right. it's not it's about time no kidding <laughs>